What's up, everybody? It is another episode of Metric, a user experience podcast, the user experience podcast. I'm Michael Schofield. Today is our birthday. This podcast is three years old. Next week, we are interviewing Andy Priestner, but this week, it is just you and me. We'll be talking about personas. The other day, LIDA, the Library and Information Technology Association, revealed personas that they had made to be used as a tool that'll help create and refine tangible benefits and actionable strategies to address all the needs of their organization. Amanda was actually part of that task force, and a couple weeks ago she published a short episode about the LIDA persona task force on Metric. Um, it's a shorty, but it's a goodie, maybe like six or seven minutes long, and you might want to go back and revisit it. She talks about coming together as a committee, um, kind of defining the action plan, and their approach in creating these personas. This topic was originally an exclusive article written for Patreon supporters, um, and I called it what should Lita do with their personas so they don't fall flat? So the clickbait title just sort of came over me, and I really don't mean this title to sound so dire. It's just more true than my alternative, which would have been um, how should Lita use their personas to succeed? To me, it's the difference between being in the position to really squeeze the most out of a situation or having to allocate time and resources to just make sure it doesn't fall flat. The shot's fired, and... Or so I think, this is my humble opinion, I think Lita's going to be slow out of the gate. There's nothing wrong with their personas. They're really good personas, but personas are the wrong tool for the job. Alright, first we got to revisit, what does Lita actually want? Here's a pull quote. These personas were developed as a tool that will help Lita create and refine tangible benefits and actionable strategies that directly address those interests, needs, and expectations. In February 2017, the LIDA board asked LIDA committees and interest groups to select and rank three LIDA member personas that are most relevant to them and to submit a concrete action suggestion, which each committee or interest group would like to pursue. This will allow the LIDA board to collect a good number of concrete use case scenarios for these personas and reveal those use cases in relation to the LIDA 2016-2018 strategic plan. The LIDA board plans to select prioritize, and implement high-impact use cases through committees and interest groups and continue to rely on the LIDA personas in order to improve the overall LIDA experience for its members. Okay, so in my words, LIDA developed these personas to identify needs and unmet expectations that revealed opportunities to improve the user experience. And that metric which is why we're called metric, the value of the user experience, good or bad, is the cumulative quality of colors in a kaleidoscope, wherein capturing that value is the real trick. Certain facets are easier to measure than others, but the signal-to-noise ratio of what makes an experience ultimately positive isn't lacking in the noise. Improving the user experience is good for business, which is what I assume Lita wants. They have numbers they care about, churn, new members, higher engagement. 
user experience design is already a lot of noise. And that's fine. That's what makes it an art. But the strategy needed to have tangible impact on success metrics needs to be mostly signal. Personas are noise. Mostly. Here's a good quote from Alan Clement. He says, There's a fundamental problem with personas. They are made up and they're not real. This means that they are full of errors and prejudice. Using personas will distract and lead your team to make wrong decisions. The problem with them is that they encourage people to take that data, fill in the holes, and even embellish them with made-up data. In the context of signal noise and data analysis, building personas should be adding noise to your data. This is one of the worst things to do, especially when scrubbing your data is the most important step and is about 80% of the process. Another problem with making things up, building personas, is that they are prone to prejudices. When someone is creating a persona and feel it has holes, they will fill it with their own prejudices, stereotypes, and personal experience. Anyone who's ever run an A-B test and has been surprised by the results will understand how wrong intuition can be. Last, it's hard to create the persona without an overcast of confirmation bias. You're making this person up, asking this person your questions, and then you answer these questions. It's been pointed out before that there is a lot of you in there, and not a real customer. Alright, back to me. So, personas are best as a demographic snapshot that you use for something like marketing. They help folks craft stories that connect with real people. These inform art, help crystallize inward and outward brand perception, and advertise. As user-centric tools that inform product and service decisions, they align more accurately with the biases of the stakeholders, meaning they aren't very user-centric. A persona is summed up with a phrase that we call the user story. We use these a lot in journey mapping, and it's kind of Mad Lib style. It goes... As a type of user, I want some action so that outcome. <laughs> I don't know why I use that voice, but uh, I'm just going to go ahead and quote more Alan Clement because he just said it best, but it's from a different article. He goes, dot, 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 there's no room to ask why. You're essentially locked into a particular sequence with no context. He then makes a few examples, like, as a moderator, I want to create a new game by entering a name and an optional description so that I can start inviting estimators. And then he adds, when someone reads moderator or estimator, is that really adding anything? If anything, it's adding ambiguity to the flow. You and I are going to attach our own interpretation of what a moderator is, or why they are in these particular contexts. So here... Try this. Chop off the whole as a segment and see if you really lose anything. Compare these two. As a moderator, I want to create a new game by entering a name and an optional description. Verse, I want to create a new game by entering a name and an optional description. Did the sky fall? <laughs> Alright, back to me. The job story, on the other hand, is about causality. It's Mad Lib style also, but it goes, when I, situation, I want to, motivation, so I can, expected outcome. The user story encapsulates the persona. 
Thus, the job story encapsulates the job to be done. The ethics of jobs to be done, which is an approach optimized for identifying opportunities to improve a service, something I've been wanting to write about, um, quick tangent, but there are so many really good articles and interviews and presentations on the jobs to be done method that I kind of struggle to come up with anything that's unique to add to the conversation. I think it's okay to kind of reiterate in my own words, right? Like, you know, the, the way I write something might resonate more with uh, a learner than something else. But I, yeah, but it's, uh, I don't want to just, you know, like kick the dead horse. In a few weeks, I'm going to be presenting um, a seminar, uh, 90 minutes on a deep service design in Austin. And um, I have a huge section in there about jobs to be done. So I think I'm stumbling on a unique angle to that. And hopefully, maybe around that time, I'll, I'll post something. It's a useful tutorial. Um, I totally recommend you going out there and Googling it. Um, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time belaboring the, the nuances of the approach here, but just know that it is an approach. It is its own thing. There are whole articles written about it. Um, I don't think you need to have all that baggage to get the rest out of this episode, but you know, just something, something to think about. So as I was saying, the ethic of jobs to be done is that people choose a service because of the task it completes or the job to be done. These jobs can be emotional, social, functional, tangible or intangible, but the point is that the opportunity is in fulfilling the task, not in being appealing to the persona. It is the job that brings these personas to the service. The need is the connective tissue. The persona director of library services Jennifer Torre and the other persona IT and emerging technologies librarian Amy Chuck aren't members of Lita because of what they do. In my day job, I'm a web services librarian. I'm not a member. <laughs> what unites them and differentiates me is that Lita solves a job they need done, one that I don't. And there would not be much use for Lita to make a non-member persona of Michael Schofield, although I fit the bill. I'm not particularly private, so there's plenty of data. Rather, what my persona lacks would be insight as to why I'm not a member. Rather, if they discovered the jobs I needed done, each job would be a bullet point that identifies an opportunity to inspire me to join, maybe. Some of these opportunities would be out of scope. Others might require too much time or investment. But there would be a few there that are actionable. The more members and non-members they interview, the more jobs there are to be done. There will be a lot of consensus. There will be lots of jobs lead are approaching all the wrong way. There will be jobs that they don't even know about. So what jobs do leader personas even need done? Each of the ones they made are already enriched with motivations and frustrations and desires. These are actually really good personas. But these are the only actionable items. Here they are. I kind of tallied them. I want to learn practical technologies and skills. I want 
affordable professional development. I want to stay up to date on conferences, events, etc. I want to support, to see more, to inspire lib tech advocacy. I want to improve my network. I want to stay or become more active in LIDA. So these were the motivations and frustrations that were common across really a whole bunch of personas. So as they came up, I put a little tally mark next to them and I in, in two columns, right? One was sort of a neutral or positive statement, and I'm referring to kind of like the tone of the statement, and the other was negative. I wasn't particularly thorough. I'm mostly trying to make a point rather than provide sound numbers, but the idea is that I tried to boil statements down to their more or less similar categories and categories that had a higher neutral or positive mentions and low negative mentions probably aren't huge problem areas. Those with high negative mentions and high neutral or positive mentions also are areas of discord and if there were any low neutral or positive mentions and high negative mentions are really good opportunities. These statements have really little to do with their persona. It doesn't matter what job they have, their gender, their interests, their activities. The motivation transcends the demographic. So my point is that I believe Lita's use of personas won't inspire enough actionable insight to actually help Lita improve that user experience. What they have is just too vague and that ambiguity is embellished with made-up personalities so what should Lita do then these personas have enough detail that Lita could probably suss out a few job stories mostly they are missing the situation <clears throat> excuse me but the motivation and desired outcome could be enough to identify the low-hanging fruit so Rather than ask their committees and interest groups to cherry-pick from the personas, they should have them, regardless of the persona, try to identify complete job stories. There appears to be enough overlap with the personas that it's likely these group members have similar jobs to be done, which invites the opportunity to interview one another. And for the record, I'm referring to specifically the jobs to be done interview <laughs> there's a lot to read up on but basically the goal of this interview is to uncover the first thought that ultimately leads to becoming a member in the process of discovering that first thought the interviewer will uncover situations and motivations and desired outcomes that lead to actionable stories then rather than uploading personas to the leaderboard which is a popularity contest, they forward job stories. And instead of the board picking and choosing favorites, the job stories will likely overlap. Um, and they'll give clear indication about Lita's next step. They'll be pre-prioritized. This episode, our upcoming free community webinar on Asana on March 28th, our giveaways. This month, by the way, we are buying a winner, the Book Apart ebook, Practical Design Discovery by Dan Brown. 
hot off the digital presses. <laughs> All these things are totally brought to you by our LibUX Patreon supporters. If you think this episode is worth a dollar, we would really appreciate the support. There are cool tiers, early access to metric is just tip of the iceberg. There's even a totally exclusive web design news podcast in there. So if you're interested, there's more at patreon.com slash libux. That's L-I-B-U-X. Well, I said there was a giveaway. So how do you get entered? Well, two bucks a month on Patreon, you are automatically entered every single time. Or you can get entered by leaving an honest review about Metric in your podcatcher of choice, iTunes, etc. Grab a screenshot and fire it over to Metric Podcast on Twitter. Your reviews help us reach new folks. So thanks. I'll see you next week. Happy UXing. (laughs) 